Well, we have uh, Pastor Marvin Daniels with us. He's going to bring the word here in a moment, but I thought I would interview you here for about five minutes just to get a little update so you don't have to spend your time while during message trying to get everybody up to speed absolutely, on what's happening absolutely. around here. So we've been working with the Hope Center for Paulo over 25 years, yes. really, uh, from way back when. And um, you guys have some incredible stuff going on these mm -hmm. days, and it's looking really good. And this is just down the east side. It's on Linwood Boulevard at Benton. That's right. And uh, so really incredible stuff. So what's, what's the update yeah. from the Hope Center these First days? First of all, Mark? good morning, Lakeland family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to be here with you this morning. Pastor Dan, I want to just say thank you to you uh -huh. and the investment of the Lakeland community to the investment of what has taken place at the Hope Center. It's been phenomenal. You yeah. remember the Eastland House? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Your investment. Let me show you what happened with your investment. Your investment in the Eastland House, uh, when you were creating property for uh, where, you, you know, things was going to happen right there on, on Linwood Boulevard, and then you entrusted it to us. Right. And so we were able to finish out the remodel, and so we have fully staffed men and interns who are in that house right now, and, and um, they are making connections in the community, and it's been really great to have their presence and their proximity that really has transformed the lives of many, many people. Amen, amen. Hey, how many people actually been down the inner city and worked on one of these properties or houses? Yeah, who been look at the hands. Of these. Thank you. You thank still got you, your scars you. from all that? You know, <laughs> they'll heal up finally. So, well, we got a kitchen now. You can come on in, and we're gonna satisfy you. Bandage them up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, second of all, is the biggest Herculean challenge. Uh -huh. um, it was the Eastland House, you know, and getting that all done, but. We took on our, the remodel of our historic church after the long years of decay. Um, the community really wanted to see it live on, and so did we, and so we made an investment. Uh, we thought it was going to be $4.8 million, and now it's $6 million. But this is the historic six church. $6 million. Yeah, $6 million. God has raised four point eight of it. And so I go to sleep because there's no need for both of us to be up worrying about this. So <laughs> I just I said, Lord, it's in your hands. And um, it's been tra the transition has been great. Working with the city is always a challenge, but it has been great just to watch the construction that has taken place. Mm -hmm. And this same kind of construction that the construction workers, Straub Construction and Strata Architects have come alongside of us. Mm -hmm. It's been really wonderful. Mm -hmm. And so it, we, we, we're going to deal with a couple of things, you know, as Tuesday approaches, because Tuesday is our Fall Hope Fest. Last year we had over... 1,200 people show up. Really? And so this year at 39 degrees and uh, <laughs> construction, we'll see. Uh, but it's been a tremendous, tremendous project. So we're short $2.3 million. And I figured if God Wait, has... wait, we got this. So hey, guys, yeah. like, just lock the doors, 2.3. There you go. I, I figured if God has a cattle on a thousand hills, he can just throw us a few tails. So... Um, the third project that we're working on is around our basketball court. We remodeled our basketball court so that it would pop in the community, but it would also be used for forms of competition and challenges. Wow. So our basketball court, uh, we put a 10-foot fence around that court. Um, and so as you can see, the, the Wayne Apartments that is right there, when people driving across Benton, they see that and they, they want to come in and say, hey, can, how can we participate in yeah. this? How can we play on this court? It's been a great outreach tool well, to us. It's a sweet us. looking court. And then for our, our community, for our, our families, mm -hmm. and especially our young families, we, we develop, you have to understand, everything that we do, we've never used federal, state, or local funding. It's always been private funding. It's always based on the generosity of God's people and in people that God utilizes. And so. Um, we were able to build that through that. And then this final project was our playground. We was able to build this playground. We just put yeah, turf so around nice. that playground. 
And it's really a state-of-the-art playground that is not in our neighborhood anywhere. And so when people wow. come to the Hope Center, they see us still as a safe space and fun place to be. You guys are changing the neighborhood down there. Yeah, you have been, wonderful. and you guys are doing excellent work down there. We want to do whatever we can to partner with you all, because I think that's actually the call of the suburban church is to be one with the with the church in the inner city and uh so that's why we do four together and so we're in for this thing on here if you remember for twenty four thousand, at least the one thing we're going to do here we're six months in on our three-year commitment on this thing above and beyond what we do around here so and then i i really am looking forward to uh even a younger generation getting involved with what's going on down there and um the partnership ought to keep going. Yes, so. and we need you all. So thank you so much already for your investment sure. in the work in the ministry. Yeah. Hope so. Next year is our 25th anniversary. Is that right? And so we're going to celebrate that. <laughs> and you will be key in our celebration. Amen. Well, let's pray. So, Lord, we, we lift up Pastor Marvin Daniels. He's, he's got a busy schedule these days. May you give him peace and may you give him rest. And may you... Keep his eyes fixed on you. May he keep his hand to the plow. May he understand who he's really serving and who he's really working for, and that is you, and uh, not for the glory of men. We, we, we uh, lift him up to you, and may you bless him during this time, and may your Holy Spirit come upon him now and deliver the word to us. In the name of Jesus, and we all said, amen. Amen. Preacher, amen. brother. Uh, thank you, brother. I'm going to use this table for a moment. Um, hey, uh, how many of you... How many of you um, have participated in the Thanksgiving celebration at the Hope Center? We just say thank you so much. We know that's coming up, and we're so grateful for your ongoing investment in the work that we do. Uh, there's been um, Elizabeth Taylor, long-term actress. Everybody remember who Elizabeth Taylor is? And so I'm going to tell you what she told her fourth husband. Don't worry, I won't keep you long. Uh, so... <laughs> But we have, we've been doing a devotional, and um, we've been just talking about a lot of different things in our devotional as a staff. We've we faced a couple of things. We know that there's, there's several wars that have formed here um, in our, around the world that our, our country is engaged in, uh, that we're praying for peace and, and reconciliation and restoration to occur there. But there's been some issues that's happening in our own neighborhood, in our own community, and that 64128 zip code that we are in at the Hope Center uh, continues to face some challenges and some troubles. We've lost some people um, through acts of violence and, and gun violence and it resulted in death. And so we've been talking through, okay, what, is, what is this call that we're in? Both as a body of believers and as, as staff of the Hope Center. And so I want to share with you just five observations from a devotional that I did with my staff together that I just want to incorporate you into that. I want to talk about service, what God has called us to. We're going to talk about the people that God has called us to serve. We're going to talk about the place that we should be serving in and from. We're going to talk about the preparation for service as well as the power of service and then the purpose for service. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38, and I use several different passages of scripture today, but in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus goes back to his hometown in the area of Galilee and Nazareth, 
And as he's there, he's already had selected Andrew and, and Peter, James, and John to come and to follow him. And they approach these towns and villages, and they're doing many miracles and teaching and healing uh, throughout. And then Jesus comes in chapter 9, verse 35 and 38, and it says, As he traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom, and he healed every kind of disease and illness, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. It's amazing when he was sharing this with Peter, James, Andrew, and John, that he wanted them to look out at the harvest. And he said, in this harvest, there were people, of course, that needed healing. There were people, of course, that just wanted to be restored in their, their mind. But there were those who were helpless and confused. So it had no socioeconomic status among this. This was all people. And when Jesus saw them, he said to the, his disciples, he said, I don't want to pray to the Lord of the harvest. Let's do this so that he would send us laborers into the harvest field. Why? Because he says, you guys came out of the harvest field. Now we need to pray that those who came out of the harvest field will go back into the harvest field. Because the same gospel message that we heard when we were in the harvest that transformed and renewed us and redeemed us is the same message we need to take back to others who need to hear it so that they too would be renewed and redeemed and transformed. He says, you and I were called to serve. Matter of fact, Matthew 20, verse 28 says that the Son of Man, Jesus himself, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We've been created to serve, that God would allow you and I, even in Ephesians 2.10, to recognize that we his handiwork, his masterpieces, created to do good works that he's prepared in us to do in advance. So this is one thing that we don't have to do about in, when it comes to service. We never have to pray about serving. We've been created to serve. And God says, the works that I've created for you to do, that I prepared for you in advance, that I want you to do so because I didn't come to ser be served, but to serve and to give my life. So he calls us to serve the people that has been entrusted to us. So at the Hope Center, we recognize we are called to serve our community. Ivanhoe, Palestine, Oak Park, Santa Fe. That is our Jerusalem. That is our Judea that God has given to us to serve. You and I, as the body of Christ, we're called to serve. Second of all, it's the place to serve. Not only does the Lord give us the, the privilege and the people to serve, but he's also given us the central place to serve. That is the church, the body of Christ. This place that Jesus loved so much that he would give his life for the formation of the church, that you and I also need to be individuals who love the church. That the church is the place that we display our love. In John chapter 13, Jesus displayed his love through this act of service. Verse 14 says this, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example 
that you should do as I have done. That the church is the place of service. The place where we display is, is where we get our, our marching orders, our playbook. At 3.30, we're going to be at my house. Several individuals are gathered together at the Daniels house, and we're going to watch the Chiefs play. You know, uh, we do this. When the season comes, we gather together, and we watch the Chiefs. One of the things, when I get a chance to, to watch it on TV or even go to a game, I don't go to a game to watch the Chiefs huddle. You know, I'm not sitting there in the stands or watching on television and say, huh, our huddle is better than the other team's huddle. So that's not, I don't care about the huddle. I want to know when you guys are huddling, how does it make a difference for you moving the ball down the field to get a touchdown? I'm not, I'm, I'm not looking at how creative the huddle is. I want to know what happens when you break huddle. Because when you huddle, you're getting a play from the quarterback. The quarterback is getting a play from the coach. And when the coach gives the quarterback the play, the quarterback gives the team the play, they break huddle to execute. That's what you and I are called to do in the church, is not just gather together to huddle and talk about how great it is to huddle. Huddling is important because that's where we get the play. But we got to break huddle to execute the play that God has given to us. And I'm so grateful for Lakeland Community Church. You have, a, you have allowed us to be your tentacles on the east side of, of Kansas City to represent you and your interests there because you've come alongside of us to do so. And so I want to thank you because the ch church is the very place from which service stems. Number three, not only does God give us a people to serve and the place in which we serve, but he also allows us to be prepared and give us preparation to serve. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 he gives us instructions on how we ought to carry out his work. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 says, Do your very best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker or a servant who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. How is it that a servant or worker can ever be ashamed? The only way we can ever be ashamed is if we cease to do what God has called us to do. Or if we don't trust God for doing what he's called us to do. That you and I recognize that the Bible prepares us to do what God has called us to do. And that is really to teach and to talk about and to train individuals in the truth. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 and 17 says it in this way. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. We live in a culture today that says you just live and learn and the Bible says no, you learn how to live. So at the Hope Center, we're trying to help individuals learn how to live. And my wife and my staff are committed to helping our children and our youth and our families learn the truth that is found in Scripture. For instance, we're teaching them how they can actually live joyfully. And the way we do that is we model it ourselves. We know, we recognize life can be hard. 
and it can be difficult. But when you talk about Christians, the last thing that we need to display is like we've been baptized in vinegar and lemon juice. And we get that kind of expression on our faces. That there should be joy that we express, even in the midst of difficulty. And so we show them how we express joy in the midst of our own disappointment and our own difficulties and our own distractions and our own times when we're derailed so that they too can learn how to live joyful. We're trying to teach them, even in the midst of sorrow, how they can go back home and live peacefully, how they can actually have peace in their life. We practice what it means to be peaceful and how to have a peaceful heart and how to have a peaceful mind. Even in the midst of storms, how to raise an umbrella of truth. We're practicing that and we're teaching that both to our children and to our families. We're teaching them how they can overcome worry and fear. People say, well, the opposite of fear is is faith. No, the opposite of fear is courage. The opposite of faith is unbelief. So we're teaching them how can we have courage even in the midst of difficulty and the things that challenge us that can be fearful. (laughs) Just two days ago, we were just looking through um, our offices and we saw in one of the offices that one of our blinds were broken and that there was a hole on the top of the window and we saw a trap in that blind was a small bullet. And we had no idea how long it's been there or when it's been there. So we just took it down for, to utilize it as a souvenir that says, even in the midst of when you don't know, God still shows up. We can overcome worry and fear. We're teaching them how to deal with temptation and how to forgive people when they're hurt. The instructions in God's word help us to do that. But people ask the question, oftentimes we get challenged sometimes, why should we know your God? Because if your God can't keep y'all, if your God can't help y'all forgive each other, why do we need him? If your God don't love people that don't look like you and don't or act like you, why do we need him? If your God can't keep you sexually pure, how, why do we need him? If your God, if you scared to go to the heaven that you guys are looking forward to, then why do we need him? And so we are constantly diving into God's word and reminding ourselves that if the truth of God's word is real, and it is, that we not only apply it in our lives, but we're teaching and telling and training and talking about the fact that it's real for them too in a world that needs them. So we're preparing ourselves, studying God's word, memorizing God's word. We got five, six, and seven-year-olds that can quote five, six, seven verses at one time. They know God's word. They're learning God's word. And we, every day, is practicing God's word. Fourth is the power of service. God would not give us a great work to do if he didn't give us the power to do it. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20, it says, you know, this is the great commission. All authority, Jesus says, to the crowds that gathered have been given to me in heaven and on earth. He said, all authority. 
that we can serve in Jesus' name because all authority has been given in his name. Marcellus KC, um, who was used to be on our staff, is the chaplain for the chiefs. And he travels with the chiefs all the time. When he invited me to go um, and, and to spend some time during practice, when the chiefs were practicing, uh, I would go with him. And I, had a, I didn't even have a pass. When we got to security, all Marcella said was, he's with me. And so I, I went in. We got to the elevator where security was, and Sellers would just say, he's with me. And we got into the elevator, and I would go up there. We'd go to the locker room, security that was in the locker room. Sellers would say, oh, he's with me. And I would go and have full access into the locker room. And then we went up to the second floor where the suites were, and there was a buffet there, and some of the staff and the coaches were there eating the buffet. And, and Sellers was saying, Marv, you can go help yourself at the buffet. And as I was going there to the buffet and somebody came, was approaching me, I said, oh, I'm with Sellers. Yeah. <laughs> because it was power in his name. Because I was attached to him in relationship, it gave me all access. Our power comes from the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that Jesus' name gives us power. And therefore, we have the privilege to speak to power in our culture as well as speak to the homeless on the street. We do that in the name of Jesus because we do it by his power and his authority that we get access to do so. I was at the barbershop and... As I was at the barbershop, there's, you know, in barbershops, you have great conversations because everybody's a theologian in their own right, right? And, and so some guy was saying, man, things are so difficult in this world right now. I feel like I'm in hell, you know? And I said, hey, if you don't mind me sharing with you, man, I got good news and I got bad news. He said, good news, bad news? I just told you the bad news. I said, no, no, I, I got good news. And then I got worse news, you know? He says... What's the worst news? I say, well, if you think you're in hell now, it only gets worse from here. The good news is it doesn't have to. Yeah. And then we just got engaged in the conversation of why it didn't have to be. You know, we get the privilege of engaging people, not because I have authority to do that, but because of the name that I represent has all the authority. And therefore, we can share the truth and the love of Jesus to a community that needs them. Finally, the purpose of service. God has a purpose and reason for everything that he does, and he's given us a purpose for service. So there's three things I just want to leave you with when it comes to the purpose of service. Those of us who are saved by God's grace and in relationship with him, we recognize there are three primary things that God has given us purposely in life. First of all, he calls us to himself. First and foremost, to be in a loving relationship with him. But then second of all, that we would bring him glory in the midst of that relationship. That's why in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, it says, whatever you eat or whatever you drink or whatever you do, you do it for his glory, for his glory. When we're sitting there at the Chiefs game today and we're watching the game on television, I'm doing it for his glory. When I eat them chicken wings, I'm doing it for his glory. Whatever we do, we do to represent him. Secondly, he calls us to community where we can exhort each other, encourage each other, and edify one another. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 says, carry each other's burdens. And in the way that you do this, you will fulfill the law of Christ. 
Do you know Christianity is never based in isolation? We need each other. We're intertwined with each other. We're called to be in community with one another and to serve in community with one another. There is no long range of saints. There's always, we must always be in community together. Always. Thirdly, he calls us to cities to carry out the truth of the gospel for those who are without them. Acts chapter 1 says, you shall be my witnesses. And guess where he starts? Jerusalem, city. Judea, city. Samaria, city. And in the all ultimate lands that are beyond. He says, I want you to go and I want you to compel individuals who need to become a part of God's family. I hope Senator recognizes that Proverbs 13, 12, that is really our landmark verse. It, it gives us our missional orders. And it just simply says this, when hope is deferred, the heart grows sick. But when dreams are fulfilled or realized, people become like trees of life. And that's what we're seeking to do is reproduce trees of life by giving individuals hope. So every day, every morning, even when we start our week off, we always say this, uh, our goal today is to make sure that if it depends on us, that the hopeless will become hopeful and that the hopeful will become healthy so that the healthy can then become helpful. That's our desire. That's our plan for sustainability and growth is see individuals who become hopeless to become helpful so that they too in turn can be the mouthpiece that God has given of a transformed life. That's the beauty is living a transformed life. So we're here to serve. You know, today you, you're serving our children and our families. That's our call. That's our heartbeat. That's our vision. But we do it with purpose. And we do it purposely because we're, we're ministering to a people. And that's why we come to churches to edify one another, to prepare each other so that we can go out and to be able to, whoever God leads us to, whoever God desires us to walk with or talk to, that we have the privilege of doing just that. I'm so grateful, even for when I take this a lot more seriously, uh, we never know. And this, this stemmed because of a mother who was with us on Tuesday, picked up her child, her two children, one is, is five-year-old, one is seven years old. And then she goes home, and later that night, her boyfriend beats her to death. Wednesday, we come into the office only to find out that she's no longer with us. And my wife is, I mean, everybody's having a hard time, but she remembers that the last time they were together, she embraced her. And she said, I just want you to know God loves you so, so much. We never know what our, the final words we say to others. Uh, but God is not concerned about the outcomes. He's concerned about our faithfulness. He controls the outcomes. He calls us to be faithful. He deals with the fruitfulness afterwards. Father, thank you so much for my brothers and sisters. Thank you for the time you've given to us just for this moment, to remember, to remind ourselves about the call of faithfulness. And this fellowship, 
that we get a chance to gather together in is rooted in a unique relationship that we remind ourselves about. And it's in communion that we remind ourselves of a unique relationship and fellowship that we are part of. Thank you for Lakeland Community Church and the role, significant role they play in the function, the lifeblood, and the service of the Hope Center. They're the ones who serve as our errand to keep our arms up. We're grateful for them. Thank you for Pastor Dan's leadership in this congregation and the phenomenal worship team and servants that are here. I pray, Lord God, that you encourage them, that you would edify them and enrich them and empower them to continue to serve in the manner that you've called them to. For us in Jesus' name, and together we say,